You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Who are you in God? And why are we here? Huh? Just a bunch of time clock, do church Sunday and say, I did my religious duty. Why are we here? You're the world's light. I'm quoting Jesus. You are the world's light. A city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see. Let your good deeds shine out so that everyone will see them and praise your heavenly Father. In this dance of life, it's crucial to know what will truly transform your life. We're always searching for positive progress. What happens when we hit a bump in the road? In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that the world's wisdom will only serve to tear you down, and the only way to overcome is by way of God's grace. You need to navigate life with God's wisdom and discernment, knowing that even things that don't seem too bad will add to your baggage over time. Let God be your champion. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 as he continues his message, The Why Advantage in Warfare. You'll recall, it's important to remember who Israel was. When God called Abraham, who was the first Jew, the first Semite, all the Jewish people came from Abraham. They all descended from Abraham. He's the first one. And when God called Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, he made him a promise. He said, Abraham, in you and all of your descendants, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. I have chosen you, Abraham, and I'm going to raise up the Jewish people because I have chosen them that all the families of the earth, and that means Gentiles, you and me, will be blessed. Now that blessing came from, ultimately, Christ, who came out of the tribe of Judah. But here's the deal, even before that, Israel had a calling. Israel had a calling. In the Old Testament, Israel was God's chosen people with a calling to make him known in the earth. Just like us in the new. Jesus hadn't been born. There was no preaching Christ at that time. But their message was, there's only one true God and him only shall you serve. All these pagan gods and idols, they're all fake. There is one true God, the God the God of the Bible, the God of creation, Jehovah God. There's only one, and him only shall you serve. That was their message. The prophet Ezekiel reiterated the same thing. He said, my holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel, and the nations shall know that I'm the Lord. Through who? Israel. To whom he made himself known. Okay, so God raised up Israel to be a voice for him in the entire world. They were were to be like a lighthouse, uh, spreading the light of spiritual truth to all the surrounding nations. There's one real God. They were created and called by God to be salt and light to a lost and spiritually dead Gentile population. Do you see the parallels between them and us? They were the light in that day. We're the light of the world now. Do you see the parallel? When Solomon was dedicating the gorgeous, fantastic, fabulous architectural wonder called Solomon's Temple, in 1 Kings 8.60, 
He prayed a prayer in dedicate, dedicating it. Look at what he said. May people, watch this, all over the earth. Now look how he had a world vision. Do you catch it? He had a world vision. May people all over the earth know, know what? That the Lord is God and there is no other God at all. Okay? That was the message of the Hebrew people prior to Christ. So God raised them up for. So even though this conflict between David and Goliath was being played out on a physical plane, it was a deeply, profoundly spiritual battle. Because God's name, God's testimony, and, and, and the awareness of him through the Israeli people was under attack. Satan was using Goliath and the Philistines moving against the plan of God to make him known in the world. So, so fast forwarding to the drama between David and Goliath, it's just not a nine foot giant pitted against a five foot six teenager. No, 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 it was way more than that. And this is what made David react with such righteous anger. Because see, David, 17 year old, had been in the field watching sheep and his daddy Jesse said, hey, let me give you some sack lunches, take them to your brothers on the battle line. They're fighting the Philistines. Go find out how they're doing and bring me back word. David wasn't even in the battle. He wasn't even in it. He just went to say, hey bro, how you doing? How's the battle? So he comes on the scene and he's, he, he's looking around, where's my brothers and what's going on here? And the giant comes forward and says what he said. 17, on the scene, holding sack lunches, no weapons, brothers are somewhere out there. He hears this giant bellering, bloviating, threatening, and David asked the men standing near him, what did he say? <laughs> I'm quoting chapter 17, verse 26. What did he say? Did I hear him right? Are you kidding me? Did he say what I think he said? Then he continues, who is this Goliath? Anyway, I love David. Why does he think he can? Now watch this. Here was his issue. Why does he think he can defy, blaspheme, degrade, undermine, mock the army, not just an army and stop there, the army of the living God. Amen. David was incensed with righteous anger that Israel's uh, uh, calling and their God were under attack by this giant. See, he, he, saw, he saw the bigger picture. This isn't just a battle. The whole history or future of, of my nation, my people, and God's calling on us to ultimately produce Messiah is at stake. He saw for what it was. Now there stands his older brother. Leave it to an older brother to step in and mess things up. Because David's doing great. Here comes his brother. Why'd you come here? Why'd you leave those few sheep with, with, uh, with in the desert? Or who'd you leave those few sheep with in the desert? Now that's a dig. He's saying, little brother, Who'd you leave your few little sheep with in the desert? 
you're a little shepherd boy. We're doing the big boy stuff. What are you doing here, little bro? <laughs> and then he judges him. I know why you came down here. You didn't want to do what you were told to do. You just wanted to come down here to watch the fight. That wasn't true. He was judging him. When you stand up for God, when you take God's cause up, expect people to come out of the woodwork, even those closest to you, to criticize you and judge you for what you are doing and for what you're saying. Yeah. But, but I love David's response. Here's my guy. Here's David's response. And it shows that he fully understood his why. Who am I? Why am I on the earth? Why do I exist? Why am I here? David said to his brother, what have I done now? Then he said, is there not a cause? Here's what he was saying. Bro, don't you understand what's at stake here? Don't you realize our nation's destiny is on the line? That this is about more than a garden variety conflict? Don't you see, brother, that this is bigger than us, greater than us, more important than us, not about us? It's about God, his cause, his reason, his Messiah, his work. Are you with me, church? See, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause today? Their cause was making God known in the earth as the one and only true God. Our cause is Jesus Christ died on a cross, bled and died for our sins, rose from the dead, is coming back again, and there's no other way to be saved but through him. The gospel is our cause. Come on, everybody. The gospel is our cause. The kingdom of God is our cause. Say with me, is there not a cause? Now answer your own question. Y'all are doing good. Let's try one more time. Is there not a cause? You better believe there's a cause. We're not just in a battle in America uh, that is political. No, it's not political at all. The, the stakes are high. The stakes are high. Our freedom, the, the ability to share Jesus, uh, the way that this nation was dedicated to the Lord in the very beginning, all of that is under attack. Our, our purpose, our destiny, our identity are under attack. Is there not a cause? Yes, there's a cause. And it's greater than me. It's more important than me. And, and, and so quickly, Saul hears about this kid that's saying these things. So Saul brings him before him. And here stands David, ruddy. The Bible says he was handsome and he was, he was ruddy. Um, um, and he was about five, six. He was a poet. He was a musician. He was a, he was a warrior. He was a multi-gifted individual hiding in the shadows. Saul said, what's this I hear that you're saying? David said, your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this heathen Philistine will be like one of them. Now that's a new song. They haven't been hearing that. They've been hearing the, the dude's terrible. Nobody can go against him. But here's David. No, 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 no. I got a spiritual resume. I got a history. I, I've had a lion attack me. I took him down. I had a bear attack me. I took him down. As God took down the lion and as God took down the bear, God will take down this giant. I've got a history with God. I know what God can do. I know what God can do. So some of you that are fighting battles that nobody knows about, 
Nobody was there when David took the bear down, when he took the lion down, but the angels of God and God himself watching. There was no one else when David did it. They were private victories because God knew one day he'll be in a public sphere. And, and, and so you learn, you learn warfare in the shadows. And when you come out of the shadows, you know how to take down a giant because you've got a bear and a lion in your history. David went on to say, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from this Philistine. His confidence came from knowing who he was, a servant of God, and why he was on earth to make God known to the nations. You catch it. These are driving David now. His, his why, his understanding of the bigger game. We see that as the battle drew near, I love this, David didn't wait for Goliath to come to him. The Bible says he hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He ran towards the roar. He did not allow the enemy to intimidate him. He didn't allow the enemy to drive him into his bunker where he can hunker and hide from what's going on. God didn't call us to be in a Christian bubble between four walls on a Sunday morning. No, we ought to come here and get gassed up and energized up and encouraged up and faithed up and then go out and run towards the roar and confront the culture. So when nine foot tall Goliath approached and David approached him, the five foot six teenager, he said, Goliath said to him, I'm gonna feed you to the birds of the air. You're toast today. David said, no, 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 you got it backward. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, good for you. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, blasphemed, reproached, and defamed. I'm coming to you in his name and the whole world is gonna know that there is a God in the earth. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, David gives us what was motivating him. As I read this, does it motivate me? Does it motivate you? Does it motivate Turning Point Church? Watch this. David said to Goliath, here's why I'm gonna take you out. I will strike you and take your head from you that all the earth may know, he had a world vision, that there is a God in Israel, that all the world, he had a world vision. He knew why he was on the earth to make God known. Folks, you're on the earth to make God known. So am I, I'm on the earth to make God known. I'm not just fighting for Israel's army, no. I'm doing it on behalf of the God of Israel for his name, for his glory, for his honor, and to spread the knowledge of him. That's why I'm doing what I do. That's your why. Now watch this. Quickly, briefly, let me look at Israel's army. What a, what a sad spectacle. This is the army that had an incredible miracle history. They are the descendants of the people who walked across the Red Sea, who had the fire by night and the cloud by day, 
who were delivered by 10 different miracles out of Egypt supernaturally. They, they had food provided every day for 40 years. For 40 years, their shoes did not wear out. I love some of those shoes. They crossed the Jordan. Water came out of a rock to give them something to drink. This is the people of miracle after miracle. They went into the promised land and took giant city after giant city after giant city in the name of the Lord. And here they are, hiding, quivering, shaking in their tents, afraid of one man. What happened to them? I'm going to tell you what happened. They forgot their why. They forgot their identity. Their purpose, who they were in God, what they were fighting for, why there even was an army, and why they were alive on the earth at this crucial time in Israel's history. They forgot all that. They forgot him. And so what was the result? They fled in fear from Goliath, dreadfully afraid. See, when a nation or a person gets away from God and forgets the why, we end up confused, afraid, and defeated. Every time. Get away from God as a believer. Go ahead, drift from the word, drift from time and prayer, drift from him. It won't be long before you're confused and you're afraid and you're defeated. And it happens to a nation. It's happened to our nation. I'm convinced of it. Look at America, what do you see? I don't see courage. I don't see victory. I don't see a sense of identity. We don't even know if we're male or female anymore. That's confusion. You shouldn't say that, Pastor Jeff. Why? They do. I'm just telling you what's out there. This is no news to anybody. When you don't even know if you're a male or a female, when a nation has plunged into a level of confusion like ours has, I promise you it's because we're at, in the ocean without a compass, without a sail, and without an anchor. Because we've lost our why. There is an advantage in warfare when you remember why. Not David. He was supremely confident and, and, and said to the nine-foot giant, the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you to me. Amen. We all know what happens next as we wind down. Reaching into his shepherd's bag. I can just imagine Goliath going, what's the kid doing? Let's get down. This won't take long. David just pulls out a stone. He, he got five of them out of the brook. Because we know later, Goliath had four brothers, just in case they showed up. He had one for each. So he puts one, one stone in, smooth stone, out of the brook. Two hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it says the stone sank in, and Goliath came crashing face first to the ground. And here's everybody that's watching with silver eyed dollar. I mean, silver dollar eyes. I mean, whoa! And right then. David stepped into the history books. But let me close with this. This story is about more than a young shepherd boy defeating a mighty giant with a slingshot. It's about the why advantage. His whole motive 
was serving the why. God's honor, his fame, the knowledge of him in the earth. And I'm one of his kids. It's about a king, Saul, a leader that had lost his sense of who he was in God and he never got it back and why he was on the earth to lead God's chosen nation. That's what Samuel anointed the man to do. But he forgot it. He lost it. And when he lost it, he lost his victory. And it's about a lone teenager that had these things intact. And he had what it took to deliver a nation. He knew who he was. He knew why he was here. And he had kept his relationship with God on a daily basis, healthy and strong. Now, I believe this is why our nation is so adrift today. Because the church looks more like Saul's army than David. We haven't shined our light. Who are we called to be? light of the world, but we haven't shined our light. Not really, not huge swaths of the church. Listen, listen, if there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pews. A departing church precedes a departing nation. A church or, or a nation is not led by politicians ultimately. A nation's direction comes from the godly in it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Amen. We haven't shined our light. We haven't seasoned our culture with kingdom salt. Instead, big swaths of the church world, entire denominations, have shaken hands with a pagan world. And we have cared way more about what men think than God. You don't win the world by becoming like the world. You win the world by being different, by standing out. We've thrown the authority of God's word right out the window and we've embraced worldly falsehoods and worldly morals. And as a result, there's nobody speaking into the culture the word of God, except for the remnant church that hasn't given up. So in case you're wondering who we are, I'm going to close with who we are. Who's turning point? Why are we here? Who are you in God? And why are we here? Huh? Just to punch a time clock, do church Sunday and say, I did my religious duty. Why are we here? You're the world's light. I'm quoting Jesus. You are the world's light. A city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see. Let your good deeds shine out so that everyone will see them and praise your heavenly Father. Amen. That's who you are. I got to read one more passage and we'll close. Peter wrote, you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. I want you to read the next part with me. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. Keep going to tell others 
of the night and day difference He made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. In your journey with Christ, do you ever feel defined by your mistakes? Do you ever have issues getting back into God's presence after you sin? In today's message from Pastor Jeff, he showed you that one of the most important aspects of growing in your relationship with the Lord is separating your identity from your mistakes. Sin will never define you, no matter what you do. God will always be there to show you His mercy. Step into your freedom through Christ. If you're interested in learning about Hardwired, Diane has some things to share. Are you interested in partnering with us here at Hardwired? We'd love for you to come alongside us in supporting this ministry. All you have to do is go to our website and find the Donate tab. It's that easy. That website again is hardwired.org. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this today, and thanks for listening to this radio ministry. Daniel has more to tell you about what's ahead on the upcoming edition of Hardwired. Amidst all of your accomplishments, do you ever consider the impact of humility? Do you ever take the time to be humble? Or do you give in to showing off? Next time on Hardwired with Pastor Jeff, he illustrates the growth involves not letting triumphs inflate your ego. No matter how significant your achievements are, staying humble couldn't be more important. Recognize that your success is not solely a result of individual prowess, but is intertwined with God's plans. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the book of 1 Samuel, so be sure to join us again. And if you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired. Hardwired.